This segment of Off the Hosel is powered by SaskGolfer.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode number 14 of Off the Hosel. My name is Drew Koser, and I am your host. Uh, I'm not joined today by my brother, Troy. He is, uh, he's not on the air today, but he is uh, definitely working hard behind the scenes, as you all know. So, thanks again, Troy. Um, you know, just a few notes before we get into our guests today. Um, I want to talk about Danny's interview on Monday. A really good interview. I got lots of good feedback. Um, you know, these, these interviews are only going to get better i think and not that the first 13 weren't uh this is a whole learning process for me too and i think uh you know even the first 13 and i think hopefully the next 100 are all going to be great and i hope everyone enjoys them and i think uh the, the buzz around this podcast uh, people are enjoying it so um i appreciate yet again all the support uh, out there so uh this thing is growing and uh, I, I i intend to grow it uh more and more so Thanks again. Uh, we did announce that we're having on five-time Stanley Cup champion uh, Grant Fear, who is now a professional golfer now. That should be very fun. Um, we're also having on the editor of Score Golf in Jason Logan. So get your questions in before we do the recording on Thursday evening. Uh, I'm actually doing both those uh, in the same night. I'm actually back at work now, my day job. And um, yeah, so this makes things a little tougher, but it's it's fairly easy if you just do it after work and then buy your time. So anyways, enough about me. Um, reminder, uh, we are on uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Anchor, Off the Hosel. You know, like, uh, subscribe. Uh, check us out on Facebook at Off the Hosel, Twitter underscore Off the Hosel, Instagram underscore Off the Hosel. Follow us, like, share, tell everybody. Um, my brother also wanted me to mention that we did put a post out. If you want a Off the Hosel decal, uh, reach out to us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I already name dropped those handles, so listen up and uh, we'll get you those ASAP. On to today's guest. I can't read his whole resume because it's quite in depth. So <laughs> he he's, he's won a ton. Uh, recently inducted in the Hall of Fame, Sask Men's Amateur Champion 2017, uh, the Mid-Am Champ in 2014 and 2016, 11-time provincial team member, uh, a fellow Riffle alumni, and just an all-around great person. Um, I've got the pleasure to know this guy a lot over the years, so um, enough of me talking. Uh, let's send it on over now to uh, the interview with Tyler Wright. Uh, hope you guys enjoy it. This segment of Off the Hustle is brought to you by Brownie's Golf Shop at the Royal Regina, Southern Saskatchewan's premier custom club fitters. Using FlightScope and GC Quad technology, Brownie's Golf Shop will give you the high-performance club fitting you need for that new driver or set of irons. Offering a full line of clubs featuring Titleist, Ping, Callaway, TaylorMade, Cobra, and Srixen at the best prices. Brownie's Golf Shop, high-performance club fitting to help you enjoy the game. Contact Dean at RoyalRegina.com to book your fitting or yardage gapping appointment. 
I'm joined by a good buddy of mine. He's a great athlete. And uh, looking through his resume, there isn't too much he hasn't won. So uh, I'm joined by a fellow Riffle alumni, Mr. Tyler Wright. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me, Drew. Really uh, looking forward to chatting with you today. So uh, how are you doing and how are you holding up during these uh, uncertain times with uh, COVID-19? Well, um, I'm a vice principal at uh, Archbishop M.C. O'Neill High School. Uh, I've been spending, I guess this is week four at home. A um, lot of uh, Skype meetings, uh, a lot of phone calls, um, keeping busy that way and then trying to uh, balance uh, the kids. Um, I have a seven-year-old Scarlett. She's in grade two, so she's working probably two or three hours a day on schoolwork and uh, Indy's four, so She's having fun playing and doing those kind of things. Uh, and then uh, my wife is going into work for a few hours every day. So kind of on my own during the week and on the weekends, of course. Uh, yeah. Just uh, isolating at home like everyone else. Just super dad. Hey, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so for people that don't know uh, your dad, I mean, I'm sure people do know, but your dad played in the NHL and was obviously an athlete. Um, would you say he had a big influence on you and getting into sports? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was funny. Um, um, you know, my dad had a – the story I always tell is my dad had a trophy room. <laughs> and <laughs> he was uh, – I mean, he was a phenom, like most NHLers, I would say, uh, from the time, you know, three, four, or five when they put skates on until um, he arrived in the NHL. And uh, – the, the trophy room he had was uh, something to behold. It was, it was, uh, oh, like, and then the pictures, pictures of him playing everywhere and from Team Canada to Germany to um, with multiple NHL teams with lots of famous NHLers. Uh, it was, uh, it was, it was fun going in there. Um, and uh, I think a lot of times I find myself in there kind of going, okay, well, what am I going to do? <laughs> What what are what are my uh, what are my goals? Uh, and most of them centered around sports, I guess. But anyways, yeah, I know. And I think um, I think that's kind of was the initial direction for me. It was you know my 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 dad never pushed me to play sports, um, but he certainly gave me the opportunities. Um, you know, I think um, when when hockey didn't work out for him, we, my brother and I definitely played hockey. But I don't know if he was he's probably more passionate about hockey now than he than he was back when we were growing up and playing yeah. um but we did play hockey and uh bryden was better better hockey player than i was um probably could have you know with our size he probably could have uh played uh you know at dub, dub or sj and would have had an opportunity um myself i i wasn't the best skater and so it was best that i moved on to some other sports <laughs> <laughs> well you definitely have the size for sure <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and you know, back in those days too, like they were seeking size, so there might have been an opportunity. I just wasn't quite mean enough. Um, uh, I'd like to think I, I grew into some kind of toughness um, <laughs> when I started playing college basketball. But um, yeah, Bryden was Bryden was uh, a much better skater and, and a little tougher than I was when I was growing up. So that leads me into my next question: Like, was uh, people that don't know maybe too that you were a stud basketball player as well? Uh, was basketball ever a thought for you? Oh, uh, I mean. In the early years, I think I played RCBA. My first year was in uh, grade three. Um, and uh, so I played, you know, all the way up. But golf was my love. I mean, there was that was the sport I wanted to play at. And I, who knows why? Like, I was good. I, I was good at 
um, basketball. Um, uh, I did play tier one hockey, but I always knew there were better players than I was, and I wasn't quite as passionate about it. So then with basketball, um, I knew I was good, but I just it did, I didn't have the same fire in my gut that I did for golf. Um, yeah. When I was coming out of out of Riffle in grade twelve, I um, I played uh, I played volleyball and then I played basketball and then I played golf. Um, and uh, when I, when I came out of high school, interestingly enough, I was recruited to play college sports in all three, but you know probably because I was tall. And so, um, but really, the I, I wanted to go down to the states and, and, and play golf. I didn't. I had zero. Uh, I shouldn't say zero. I had minimal interest in in playing volleyball and then with basketball basketball was kind of like i loved basketball but it was it was uh it wasn't the one i wanted to do i wanted i wanted to play golf um like like a lot of younger you know teenage kids growing up i mean i know we were in uh, canada but i i mean i wanted to play in the pga tour so i wanted to play golf so um when did you get into the game and i mean who got you into golf i mean obviously you just mentioned you played down down south uh do you want to elaborate on that for us yeah, I um I think it was, it was a four or five, um, kind of similar to similar to Carly in that my grandpa made some clubs with my dad and I went out back and hit hit it around a little bit and then I think I was nine years old and my neighbor across the street Ryan his uh, his grandpa was big into golf my grandpa was big into golf and so there was an opportunity to go to the Regent Park par three for an opportunity to get some lessons and play some golf and so we went there and myself uh and ryan thought wow this is this is a this is a fun sport and the next year 1989 um we both got a membership at the royal regina and and uh, uh back then that was the earliest you could get a membership you had to be 10 in order to be a member so we got it and i think it was uh it was 75 dollars for the membership all you can play and wow. uh and we played we played uh i think i played 20 rounds that first year and then kind of grew into an obsession um i know uh we probably all have these stories <laughs> i'd get dropped off, dropped off at the golf course um you know my dad normally go to work at seven so my dad would drop me off uh when my brother got older than the both of us meet some friends and uh we'd play some golf and uh maybe get home around three my mom was a teacher so she'd come pick us up um you know two o'clock three o'clock and you know, we'd uh, spend a lot of money on the chit, and we would uh, be in the hair of Gordy Burgess and Roddy Carroll and Joe Trudell and, and Dino Brown and all our assistant pros and head pros then. But um, we loved it, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't change it. So definitely a passion, though, hey? I mean, like, obviously, and you're a stud, and your resume is quite uh, impressive, to be honest with you. Yeah, <laughs> I've, had, I've had some success with uh, – um, definitely with failures along the way uh you know like i mean like we all have those stories i guess through you know um we all can go back and 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 decide um you know what were those uh watershed moments that pushed us one direction or another and yeah i, I yeah i had some success and probably the best my best successes came in the last uh, six years seven years uh prior to that uh i had some successes certainly i, I was fortunate enough uh play college golf i was fortunate enough to um um win some tournaments as a as a young kid um but certainly had some failures <laughs> had some uh had some uh, missed turnings um over the years for for various reasons uh, you know you know golf is golf 
sometimes it's you're unlucky because someone hits a much better shot than you and sometimes you just mentally fail so we uh we got to play our first round together i believe in uh it might have been 2015 i think in Estevan, and then in yorkton and i believe you won that year um i was super pumped to play with you and i knew i knew who you were before riff alum by the way you know that we're the only two riffle guys that ever won a championship there provincial no i did not know that that's yeah. uh not, did too not know that I, um yeah right bryden bryden won some maybe a cities but i don't think he won a yeah i won a provincial championship that's awesome i, I honestly <laughs> didn't know that that's, that's a good one um uh so off our res so, off the resume there i mean i have that in common with you <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i remember i remember uh, estevan drew i know it was uh was it the early morning, or did we play 36 that day? I remember we played 36. Said, I played round two with you that day. Yeah, right, right, right. So I was, that was a long day, uh, especially for an old old dog like me at that point. But uh, <laughs> I managed to last and crack, crack, crack the AM team that year. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was an epic storm where we got uh, basically flooded out for, uh, I think it was, was it day three? Yeah, so the day three was flooded out. So then day, they, they combined day three, day four, and we played 36, like in my old college days. <laughs> um, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, it was an interesting, interesting day, that one. I legit thought I was playing golf with Dustin Johnson. Like you're strutting and you're just hammering the ball at him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I wish, uh, wish I had as much success as Dustin Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I want to touch on too, I mean, obviously with uh, college golf, I mean, like, like what was that like? What was your experience like down there? And and didn't how, like, did you enjoy it? I mean, how was the golf? And and just you as obviously your teacher or principal now, right? Principal, right? So I mean, vice principal, yeah. Vice yeah. principal, yeah. So clearly you're you're academically smart, I, w I would assume. So like, just how was college golf and and that experience? Well, um, uh, college golf. I went to Idaho State University, so I was about an hour and a half, two hours away from where uh, Graham Dillette went in Boise. Um, uh, I, I only went, uh, one year, um, my, um, when I, uh, graduated high school, I was recruited by, oh, I'm going to say five or six universities. Um, I had a lot of help from, uh, some fantastic people, uh, people at, uh, Riffle High School, um, making phone calls. Uh, my dad did a lot of groundwork, um, you know, back then. It was uh, a little more difficult to get down there. It helped that I'm American, so uh, I was born in Kansas City, and I think I had a lot of interest in the Missouri area, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah, about seven or eight schools um, were interested in uh, giving me a scholarship. Uh, I chose Idaho State because it was the closest. Um, it was about uh, 16, 18 hours away. So, you know, if I needed to get home in a, in a, in a second, I could. Um, but basically... Uh, I went down, there was, uh, there was about 12 of us on the team, five travel. I think we played, I'm going to say we played five or six tournaments in the fall and then five or six tournaments in the spring. Um, I, uh, I wouldn't say my experience was fantastic. Um, I thought the leadership on the team was poor. I, I did play with two awesome Canadians, uh, Dave Farian and Kenny Franklin, who was out of Swift Current. Uh, those, those guys uh, took care of me as a young buck there. Um, I made, uh, I think I made four of 10 traveling teams, which was quite good for a freshman. There was, uh, five freshmen on the team, four quit at Christmas. So I was the only one left for the oh, rest wow. of the year. Um, why they quit? Uh, just, just no interest anymore. Basically, so, sorry, Drew. Uh, basically, um, what ended up happening with me is, uh, 
Um, there was, an, there, I had, I, I'm going to say I had 50% scholarship and then I was getting some money from the Canadian golf association. I won the Letty Haywood scholarship. Nice. Um, so it was a really, um, yeah, it was a, it was a, uh, a scholarship that really helped me, um, kind of follow my dreams. Um, and, uh, I basically, we came up to about, uh, April and my coach said, you know, um, we have, uh, we're going to drop you down to 25% scholarship. And I was the only, like, I was the only freshman left. So yeah. I was kind of surprised. Okay. So I'm going to get less scholarship now. I was going to get the, 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 the Royal Canadian Golf Association scholarship again, the Letty Haywood scholarship again. So I was going to have some extra money there. Um, but, uh. He basically said, if you don't finish top 10 in a tournament, uh, I, that's all you're getting. But if you finish top 10 in a tournament, then we will, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll bump you up to 60%, let's say. Huh. And so and just to let you know, and for those people who are out there who are college golfers, that I mean, you know, when you're a 17, 18-year-old freshman uh, grinding against 22, 23-year-olds, um, you don't have a lot of experience, you're, you're in a foreign country, um, there's a lot of pressure there. <laughs> Interestingly, I finished ninth in the next tournament and, uh, and then coach had to backtrack a bit. Um, but at that point, uh, I'd been talking to James Hillis, who was the, uh, head, head coach of the university of Gentleman men's basketball program. He really wanted me to come back and play. Um, and, uh, I was just, I wasn't happy where I, where I was at, at that point. Um, so I, I made the decision to move on and, um, you know, which was really tough. Um, because I wanted to play golf, but it just wasn't a good fit for me. So it, it was time to come home. And so that's what I did. That's kind of weird. Hey, I mean, like, like just take away half. Like, that's, that's kind of insane. Almost like not really fair by any means, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a business down there and it's, it's the reality. And you know what? I didn't play great golf. I mean, um, I didn't I, I played, I didn't play well and there's lots of reasons why. And in retrospect, um, I'm a better golfer now, uh, in so many different ways. And if I had those skills, um, that, uh, mental capacity, I think I would have been in a different boat. Um, I think in retrospect, you know, my dad always said my, my good friend, Lindsay Bernikiewicz, um, went to UBC and, you know, we, we thought long and hard about, you know, dad saying, well, you don't have a scholarship, but Lindsay's going there. You could be his roommate. Why don't you go? We'll, we'll find the money and you can go play. And both of us, both Lindsay and I were really, into practice and uh really you know got along well and so that was a possibility but anyways i ended up going the other way because i think i needed a break from golf at that point and and the and the, the good story was is i had just uh, an exceptional career in basketball so <laughs> i can't really um complain but you know you lose that dream and um i think it was you know it hits you every once in a while but mostly when you hear people like locally that, that are going pro or giving it a shot um, and you, and you watch what they did and you're like, Oh man, that could have been me. That would have been pretty neat. That's insane. I mean, like, yeah. Cause you set records for like the um, U of R, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I had, um, yeah, I've got, uh, I got a number of number of records. I think I, when I finished my career, I was second all time in scoring. Um, I have the most points in a Canada West game at 49 Um, I, um, my one year, my fourth year, I I finished third in the country in scoring and ninth in the country in rebounding. I'm pretty small for, for, um, for basketball. So, uh, that was, that was a really exceptional year for me. I, I was, uh, offered a a pro contract in Denmark at the end of that year. 
I, again, didn't go after it because I think at that point I was burnt out of basketball. So, <laughs> so I wanted to uh, ask about some of the majors that I, I just will call them, like Saskatchewan men's AMS, uh, mid AMS, eleven-time provincial team member. Uh, what was that like? Oh, it was. Uh, it was just. It was a dream come true, especially this last run. Um, this last five, six years um, was awesome because I, I kind of finally figured out how to manage myself mentally, um, coupled with some real hard work, um, some real hard work uh, practicing, and that kind of stuff um, resulted in, um, it resulted in uh, some just exceptional playing, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, lots of good stories. Like I know when I first the first team I made was. Uh, um, Saskatoon uh, Golf and Country Club uh, 2001 I made the Wellington Cup team and um, you know it was managing myself down the stretch was tough but it was super fun because I got to play with uh, Lindsey Bernikevich and Jim Bourne and uh, James Tizakis on that team and what was super cool about it was that three of us Lindsey myself and uh, James were both out of Regina and then Jim was out of out of uh, um, out of Lloyd and uh, we went to Credit Valley and just exceptional golf course but i've never been so nervous and so excited to get off a golf course i just you know and so it was just it was crazy it was uh it was 40 degrees day one we played in the afternoon back then you had to wear pants really we we played yeah oh my. so we all had pants it was 40 degrees and 100 percent humidity and i remember um we walked out, out of the van and back then we had a we had a coach that drove us around and so back then so i walked out of the van we uh Walked onto the uh, um, uh, walked sorry walked onto the driving range and uh, we um, our, our pants were soaking wet like <laughs> anything like, like it was just like, literally walked onto the driving range and we were absolutely soaking wet and uh, we um, it was just my hands were just pouring water and we're playing this really tough golf course and I was just so frightened literally to be there and yeah. little did i know that i i mean i could fit in there but i think the problem was was back then i was carrying the world on my shoulders um and i just uh wasn't um really how do i want to put it uh prepared to manage myself mentally that way um and that really shifted when i uh decided to come back and play competitively in 2014 well, that was crazy too. Even that when I talked about the estimate there and playing with you, I was just like, "Wow!" Like watching you play, like obviously I was worried about, worried about my own game, but I was just like, "You manage the course so well, like you, like, like I, I don't know, I don't know how to put it. Like you, you just looked like you, you just knew how to manage the game really well. Put it that way." Well, I think I think managing the golf course um, is is very important because you've got to you've got to prep your um, your plan has to be prepped to fit that golf course and your, and your golf game. Like, um, you, you can't, and this, and this is what we, we learn as juniors. I feel you can't just grip it and rip it. I mean, I'm a, I like to hit the ball far. You can't just grip it and rip it and expect to compete. Um, that you hammer the ball. You ought to be able to manage the, manage the golf ball around, around the golf course, playing, playing into your strengths, but not necessarily, um, try, not necessarily completely leaning on those strengths. Like, you, you, you know, with me, I can't hit driver on every single hole, no matter what golf course I play on. But that's just the reality. 
Um, and it's, and I think it's the reality for everyone. I mean, um, my short game, my putting, um, that's a strength of my game now. It wasn't as a junior. It wasn't as a, as an early amateur. Um, but, but it is now. And it's because I put some real concerted effort into the, in, into that part of my game. Um, but also, uh, putting myself in the right yardage on par fours and par five. So I can hit, you know, my favorite club in, so I can give myself an opportunity. Um, you know, those are, those are simple ways to manage the golf course, but, um, that's the way you compete and that's the way you're able to um, win championships um, is getting the golf ball in the right location um, in the fairway and green so you can score. So when was it like when you learned how to win and so often, I mean, I asked this question to a lot of the, I mean, the guys that have been on here so far. I mean, I used to do it when I was a junior here and there, but um, for a guy like myself, that's still trying to figure out how to win on the men's amateur uh, circuit. Like when did you learn how to win and, and so often? Well, I mean, um, it, it was funny when I, when I was a junior, um, I could win locally. No problem. There wasn't an issue. Yeah. I'd win multiple club championships and multiple, uh, city championships and multiple high school championships. And, you know, I, I never felt, um, that I, I felt I belonged or I felt I, 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 I should dominate even playing with someone as talented as Lindsay Bernikiewicz, who's a year younger than me and Tyler Kelly, two year younger than me, um, uh, Cam Eager, or Cam Eager, a year older than me, Kent Eager, a couple years younger than me. Even playing those guys, playing with those guys, I still felt I was the best. When I got to provincials, my mindset changed, and instead of really feeling that I belonged or that I was the best, um, I felt like I could, I might, and that uh, you know, those self-talk words aren't going to help you in this down the stretch. Um, the other thing, too, is, um, and I can't remember who said this, but um, I wanted to get myself out of the way of my of my mind. Like, I just wanted to go out and say, you know what, and this is my motto, um, I'm, I'm, as, I'm as prepared as I can be today to play the best golf I can play. And so then I just go out and play golf. Yeah, and just I, go with I, it, yeah. I already have my plan. I've already hit my 10,000, 20,000 golf balls. Um I, I am prepared to play because uh, I put the work in and I'm not going to let my mind get in my way. And so um, one shot at a time and just, just, just manage it. And um, for me, when I was younger, I, I just, I, I, I don't know if this is the best analogy, but I had, I had the world on my shoulders all the time. Like I just constantly, constantly had the world on my shoulders, even though I probably was reasonably prepared. Um, when I got to, and maybe this is wisdom, right? You get a little older and you feel like you kind of know how to manage yourself a bit better. But when I came back in 2014, my mindset was very simple. I'm going to prepare more than the next guy. And then, which is practice. Yeah. And then I'm going to, I'm going to just very simply make that commitment that I'm just going to focus in on that, you know, that 20 seconds to hit the shot. And then I'm not going to think about anything else after that. I'm going to mingle with my, um, with my, uh, uh, my foursome and I'm going to enjoy the day. And, you know, I, I can honestly admit when I, when I reflect back at that first credit Valley national uh, amateur experience, um, I didn't enjoy that day at all. And I didn't enjoy that tournament. I didn't enjoy the next few nationals I went to because again, pressure, 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 instead of just saying, you know what? Just have what fun. Yeah, exactly. It is what it is. And I, because I know I'm prepared. So, um, yeah. 
Well, that's a, a great analogy and good wisdom. I think to me, I learned a ton there just in that little spiel there. So um, I want to ask too about some of the guys that you uh, would have played with, like Lindsey Burkavich, and then would you have ever played with Graham? Yeah, Graham and I. Graham and I played on the 2005 team together. Right. Um, okay. Oh, we've got. You always have those epic stories of of achievement and failure. And like I said to you before, you know, definitely had my failures before I had my successes. Um, I'll tell a few stories, but the Graham story is um, uh, quite a epic story for me and probably <laughs> meaningless for him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, considering just all the unbelievable stories I, I was able to hear uh, him tell us uh, in the last segment. Um, but, uh, yeah, Graham and I were, uh, were were right down to the wire, 2005, West Canada Country Club. I was playing out of the Royal at that point. He was out of Weyburn. He hadn't won a championship yet. He played on uh, just, like, one of the most epic teams the year before, I believe, um, or maybe it was the year after. Anyways, he played on this uh, – no, I think it was the year before, and he played on this team with uh, Chris Wazalowicz, who's just a phenomenal golfer, uh, Lindsey Bernikiewicz, another phenomenal golfer, and then the legend Cor- Colin Colbin. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was 04. Anyways, 05, we were playing. He hasn't won a championship yet, so obviously he's the favored. Um, I'm coming off a year off. I uh, did some traveling and stuff, and so really, really focused in on uh, on my practice um, and uh, found myself uh, basically on the 11th hole at Tawascana, um, tied with Graham, and uh, we just went back and forth and back and forth. And um, Graham and I both both birdied at birdied 11. Um, it was a uh, uh, what is it 190 yard, and it was it was blowing about uh, 40k into our teeth, and we both hit stuck it in there like four feet. Um, and then then 12 we both birdied. And then 13, I made a mistake, um, and he made par. And then 14, I threw it into about six feet for eagle, and I three putted. <laughs> oh god! And, and and then and but then on 14, or sorry, 15, the par three, he hits it right in this long schnee. Like I don't even know how he's gonna get out of it. It's just crazy. And the pin's back right, which is next to impossible to get to. Gets this full swing flop out of this long stuff. Hits it to like six inches, knocks it in. I make par. So, anyways, coming down the stretch, I think he ends up beating me by a couple. Um, but uh, it was just like an epic battle. And then myself, him, um, uh, Fairburn, and Galan, we make the trek to uh, Nova Scotia, and we play just brutal. <laughs> but enjoyed the trip. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask. I mean, like, so how were those experiences on, on some of those teams? And were there any like really memories that stuck out to you? And, and uh, any good stories? <laughs> Oh, I mean, there's always good stories, and um, my one my one story I have to tell because I I think it was as funny. It was uh, uh, I'm gonna say 2014, I believe. 2014, uh, it was myself, Tim Acaster, and Chris Carley. We were all rooming together, and uh, Chris Chris decides, well, you you guys can each have a bed, and then I'll sleep on the the hide a bed. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I, if you saw the picture, you'd die laughing. But the next, the, the first morning we wake up, we're, we're going to meet all the guys to play some golf. Um, I can't remember the name of the course, but we're just we're meeting the Nova Scotia guys and the Manitoba guys and um, the PEI guys to play some golf um, out in Barrie. And uh, we walk out, and there's and there's uh, Carly. And I don't know what happened to the hide a bed, but it's like one of the springs must have busted or something. <laughs> 
and like his basically his ass is on the ground so that's about a foot and a half down and uh, he's just this huge dip in it and uh and i don't think he even realized i think he was still sleeping and then when he when we took a picture and he got up and he looked at it we just we just rolled laughing like it was just one of the funniest things you know nothing to do with golf but oh my lord um and it was you know and, and that's the thing like the best part about these trips are are hanging out with the guys and getting to know them um you know the the Wellington Cup teams. They're a little more. It's a little more about business. You know, like the mids are a little more fun, a little more jovial, a little more um, maybe a few more cocktails and stuff. Like, yeah. But the Wellington Cup teams business. You know, you, you're going there. There's guys on your team. You know, Bernakevich uh, and and uh, uh, Graham. I mean, these guys. These guys have visions for PGA Tour at the point I'm playing with them, and you know, um, it's it, it, they're going to do a job. Like we're going to play, and they and they want to. They want to do well, and so um, it's more serious. We spend a lot more time on the on our off time on the putting green, on the chipping green, on the driving range. Um, you know, I, I think lots, just you know, lots of great, lots of great camaraderie, um, lots of great opportunities to meet guys, um, get to know guys from other other uh, other uh, provinces. Um, you know. It's uh, it's so much fun getting to know those other guys and, and like at the Wellington Cup. Typically, you're not building relationships with guys on the other, from other provinces. Yeah, you want to beat um, them. Yeah, and, and and I just you just don't you don't sit down and have a beer after you just don't you, just, you shake hands and you're off to the range or you're off to work on the game or you know you grab something something quick and then you're moving on. Um, but it, but it kind of shifted when I I got to play with uh, Brad Phelps and Colin Coben a number of times over the years on teams and. Those two guys are so good at making friends, cheering for their opponents. Um, Garth Collins from uh, um, all three of those guys are legends, and Gar- Garth Collins from Manitoba. Um, you know, he he won uh, the national mid one year. Anyways, he used to come over and he won. I think he won three Saskatchewan mids if I remember correctly. And he'd come over and visit, and you get to know him, and he'd introduce us to the Manitoba guys, and they'd get to know the guys from um, the the the, the uh, Maritimes, and those are the guys we kind of chummed with and have beers after and stuff, and. Those are those are fond memories uh, getting to know all of them and um, really good people um, where golf is a priority when we're on the golf course. But after that, it's about building relationships and being good people. So this is a good segue into uh, you get inducted to the 2019 SAS Golf Hall of Fame fresh in the air. Uh, how was that feeling and just how special was that for you and your family? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I it's uh i'm speechless i mean it's it's such an honor i mean right now i guess i'm the youngest in in the um the hall i mean but that's saying you can't get in until you're 40 so <laughs> uh, that was my 40th birthday year so that's the funny part because we all know that uh, graham and uh Lindsay, um i think I, both, both of them might even be in the saskatchewan golf the saskatchewan sports hall of fame for all i know i can't recall but um those two guys that obviously walker and dave stewart i mean he's a He's a legend, a young guy, but I mean, he's, he's won everything. He's a guy who could have turned pro, um, you know, like there's other guys that could be in there, but I mean, it is, it's surreal. Um, mostly surreal because you're in there with guys that you watched growing up. I still recall watching Doug Mater and Dean Brown and, uh, Ryan Farrow. And of course, one of the legends, you probably don't know this name, Arden Knoll, um, dominate at uh at the royal regina 
back, I don't know, early 90s, I guess. I walked around, Tyler Kell and myself walked around, watched these guys play. It was, it was unbelievable seeing what they were doing. Um, you know, Arden turns pro not long after. Um, so that's the, that's the big thing is being in there with, with people who, you know, were kind of were, were heroes and role models of yours. So, I mean, that's, that's, that to me, that's, that's the thing that, that, that's crazy. And, um, you know, I, up, upholding that, uh, that reputation of these fine people in there is, is the other part that I think is, is really important. And I know with me and having a young family, it's hard to play a lot of golf. Um, you know, fortunately my wife's fantastic and she has allowed me to play a lot of golf. Um, I shouldn't say allowed, has encouraged me to play a lot, a lot of golf, but <laughs> on the other hand, uh, you know, I also have to be a parent and, and a vice principal and, uh, you know, a friend and, um, uh, and a brother and etc. So that's the tough part. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was a special night. Everyone was up there. I went in with Randy Gill, which was a really good, good friend, uh, the boss of your girlfriend, my wife. Um, yeah. So, you know, going in with Randy was, was really special. And Randy was one of those guys that I, that I looked up to growing up. Um, you know, he was uh, an exceptional golfer making provincial teams, um, you know, made it into the three, the, the 32s for, for um, uh, nationals, which is something, something else. You guys, this day and age, you, you miss out on the match play component of nationals, which was really cool. That's what Dino was uh, saying, yeah, after you, but, you play match play. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and I just you know it's that's the thing, Drew, is that we have uh, um, being in there is super special um, uh, because I'm in there with with my role models, with uh, people I highly respect, people who've won done done a heck of a lot more than I ever have, and um, you know it's it's it's, it's but it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, it's it's crazy. To, I mean, like I, I get to I've got to play golf with you a ton and and have a few drinks with you. Uh, off the course and whatnot and you're a good person and, and you're a hell of a hell of an athlete so obviously uh, kudos to you again there ty this episode of off the hosel is brought to you by extreme hockey and sports and umbrella marketing solutions one stop for all your sports marketing and corporate team and sales come down and see donnie and daphne for all your sports and corporate needs or contact at this number 306-539-6101 or email donnyyearen at extremehockey.net. That's D-O-N-N-Y-U-H-R-E-N at extremehockey.net. Uh, I kind of want to touch on too, I mean, you kind of just touched on a little bit, um, I mean, obviously with your family and just how supportive and, and you know, like from all your sports, you know, uh, coaching and, and, and working as a, prince, a vice principal and golfing, like um, they're obviously very supportive, hey? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, really, I, I don't, I, I mean, like, um, <laughs> my, uh, my, a lot of my master's research for my degree was around privilege and you don't really understand what it is until you really dive into the literature and you realize, holy, like, um, I'm pretty lucky. <laughs> We're pretty lucky. Um, you know, I, I was able to play sports all my life organized sports um my parents were able to provide that for me um my parents were able to you know drive me to golf tournaments and hockey tournaments and basketball tournaments um they were able to you know help me out in you know pay for me for university uh when i required that assistance i fortunately did get a lot of scholarship um uh you know my parents 
and my brother and sister, um, highly supportive. And I'd like to think I'm highly supportive of them too. <laughs> yeah, no, for uh, sure. But they're, 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 they're huge. And, and uh, I, you know, my dad was on the bag when I won everything in the last six years. Oh, he's a beauty too. Sorry, Larry's yeah. a beauty. <laughs> and he, yeah, and so we learn, we learn to work with each other because it's not easy. You know, I know a lot of people say, oh, I can't have someone caddy for me because um, I'm a pretty easygoing person, I think. So I think that's one thing. But I also think, too, like both of us needed to figure out each other in a different capacity, not as a parent, but as, a, as almost like a relationship. Yeah. Um, and one of the big things with dad is that I just said to him, never tell me someone else's score and always make sure that when I'm going to hit a shot that you're committed with me. Um, as we all know, those times we stand over a shot <laughs> and we're like, oh, should I have a wedge or should I have a nine iron wedge, nine iron wedge, nine iron, looking at an island green. And the big thing is, is that, you know, we would be committed together. So if there was a mistake, it was, yeah, well, things happen and we'll get to the next shot and we'll be committed to that one. So, um, but that was big and dad being there was awesome. I mean, one of the best stories is when I won, when I won the AM in 2017, um, my mom and dad walked around and watched that entire week with me um and so that was just that was super special yeah definitely a special bond i mean i i've got to obviously play with you a few times and see that so uh yeah. that, that's my awesome mom, like, my mom's tight my mom my, like my, my mom's mom's super supportive and always has been and she has high expectations uh, just like my dad um but those expectations, I, they were never a pressure point for me. Like they were always a supportive point for me and my sister and brother are successful people. And they're, you know, same thing. Like they had expectations for them as well. And those expectations were never pressure. It was just like, you know what, you're going to get your degree or you're going to get your two degrees or you're going to, you're going to be successful at, at this sport. And, you know, in order to do that, you're going to have to sacrifice. Uh, my sister has, my sister's a professor. Um, and, you know, she had to sacrifice lots to get to that. My, my, my brother is a petroleum engineer, but he played basketball at the highest level, exceptional basketball player at university. Um, like expectations are great. Um, as long as they're not pressure, uh, maybe we want to shift that language to goals, but whatever it is, the big thing is, is that it's a support, supportive environment. And that's what my parents provided for me, uh, for myself and Bryden and Christy. So I wanted to ask, are, uh, are Indy and Scarlett going to be golfers? Well, I sure hope so. I mean, <laughs> we get them out there, Drew. Um, we get them swinging the sticks uh, as best as best they can. Um, you know how it is. It's tough with girls, and we're going to try to find some friends of theirs to be golfers as well. And I know Bryden's boys will golf, and and uh, my sister's son will golf, and so we'll, um, you know, maybe make a family event of it. I mean, my mom loves golfing. My dad loves golfing. Um, so... That's the good thing is that we vision the vision would be that on those days when maybe I can't make it out to golf or Bryden can't or whatever, maybe uh, my mom and dad are taking the, the grandkids out to swing clubs. And But I think like um, it, it's it's such a fantastic sport. Uh, it teaches you so many good life lessons, but it also does something um, in terms of building relationships away from technology. Um, you know, when we're out there, Drew, like – you and me are playing or whatever, you know, the phones are put away for the most part and we're talking about things and it might be about golf. It might just be about life, but it's a great opportunity to connect. And um, what a great way to connect with family for five hours without having to be, you know, bombarded with 
uh, all the technologies that are kind of eating up uh, um, opportunities for relationships. Because um, really, that's what golf's about. The other thing too is, I mean, it's a lifelong sport. I mean, that's the fun part. I mean, we can yeah. we can play forever and you know stay healthy and and uh, and and enjoy enjoy out being outside. You know, so hopefully the girls play. <laughs> <laughs> So you have five hole in ones. Um, can you tell me where, if you know, and and can you remember any of those shots on those hole in ones? Oh yeah, I mean I remember all of them. But <laughs> I guess <laughs> I have zero, so I'd tell you all my shots were uh, zero hole in ones. I have, uh, I have. I'll do. I'll tell. I'll tell a couple of them quick. But then I got one really interesting story with Ryan McNall and myself that if Ryan ever listens to this, he'll giggle. Um, but anyways, yeah, my first hole in one was on uh, hole number four at the Royal. Um, kind of hit a thin little hosel, uh, four iron from the tips into the wind. Hey, there, uh, actually, hey, hold up, hold up. There it is. The first, uh, hosel mentioned there. I appreciate that, Ty. Sorry, go on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was a little, it was just a square hosel. Um, actually kind of may have thrown out a profanity or two and then it landed <laughs> short and they must've watered heavy the night before landed short of the, the pin is dead middle it landed short. And, it, and instead of kind of like, you know, plugging or whatever it almost skips off the water now you got the knuckleball off the hosel right yeah so it skips off the water perfect pace rolls gently into the hole <laughs> that's my first one <laughs> 7 a.m one monday morning i believe in uh i'm gonna say when i was 19 wow then um i got a hole in one uh, men's night number seven at the royal that was a good one um <laughs> and i got two hole no and i got Two hole-in-ones at number six, the short par three at Wascana. And then the epic story goes a little something like this. Ryan McNall and I were playing in the City Am. Uh, first round of the, of the tournament, I believe, at the Murray. And we're playing with an individual. I won't mention his name. He's riding the cart. Ryan and I are walking. Um, anyways, Ryan and I have been good buddies for a long time. We had played a lot of golf since we were little, little. Uh, in fact, we were um, the uh, Summer Games uh, team champions along with some other uh, famous uh, juniors around Regina at that time. So uh, myself and Ryan and Scott Scoville, Tyler Kellett, Naya McCauley, Nikki Lydiard, and Dr. Tiano Carroll uh, were on the team. We won that in 93 out of PA Cook. And anyways, I digress. Um, so, so Ryan and I are playing. Uh, the guy we're playing with starts off really good, like really good. He, I think he has two birdies or something. Ryan and I are chopping it around. I think we're maybe sitting around one over. Ryan might be beating me at this point. In fact, Ryan might win this year, if I remember correctly. Anyways, so I'm going to say we're both sitting around, one over, even par, and the other guy's a couple under, and then he starts to falter. And you have to remember that Ryan and I are both buddies, and we're both probably around 20. Okay, we're young. Yeah. And this guy's got to be about 45, and he's a couple under early, and then he starts to falter, and he must have went – three or four bogeys in a row or hit one in the bush, maybe on seven there or something. And anyways, he's in a, he's in a tough scenario now. Now he's, I think he's down two to Ryan and I, and we step up the hole number nine at the Murray. We know it well, the green's pretty extreme. And, uh, I get up, I got the honors. Um, and I, uh, I hit the shot, landed about six feet behind the pin, zip it right back into the hole. While that's happening, uh, Rick Lettingham and Grant Finley come up behind and they see it go in and Ryan sees it go in and we all start cheering and dancing around <laughs> and hugging each other. And we're just like, Oh, this is the, you know, this is unbelievable. And that was, 
I guess that would have been my second hole in one. So I was, it was just unbelievable how it all worked out. And the guy we're playing with jumps in his car and takes off, doesn't say congratulations, doesn't say thank you or, or great work, doesn't say good shot, nothing. Really? And so then, of course, Ryan and I are kind of giggling as we walk off. We're like, what's going on here? And he ends up making bogey, and Ryan makes par. So we get to, we get to 10, and he is just angry. And I and we're not really sure why. Like, I don't think we're being cocky or anything. You're we're excited. Yeah, the whole one. And, yeah, he just got a whole one. He didn't even say congratulations, nothing. Anyways, he proceeds to go, I think, bogey, 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 triple or something. Oh, just and so rattled. the hole he triples is the one that goes, and I want to say it's 13 maybe, the one up the hill around the corner there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, we get to the top, and he left. He had left his shot short, I think, and then he goes to chip it, and I think he blades it, but Ryan might know the story better than I do. And all I know, all I know is he looks at Ryan and I, he swears at us, runs over to his ball, grabs his ball, or throws the ball or something, jumps in his cart, takes off, he said, and he basically, I'm not playing with you guys again with some expletives and leaves. <laughs> and it, it was just one of the most oddest, oddest, weirdest things I've ever seen on the golf course. Ryan and I didn't do, I don't think, anything wrong other than cheer for my for this hole-in-one I got. Yeah, you're happy. <laughs> and, and play some reasonable golf. And, you know, we were we were friendly and cordial, and it was it was one of the oddest things. And so when I look back at that hole-in-one, I, I specifically remember Ryan and I just looking at each other on the 13th hole while this guy just storms away, <laughs> angry as hell. And, uh, yeah. Anyways, I don't know if that story is very funny for anyone else, but if Ryan listens to it, he'll laugh. <laughs> I thought that's hilarious. I mean, you had a hole-in-one, and the uh, guy's just upset. I mean, wow. He was, he was not happy. <laughs> So, okay, last question here before we go to the segment uh, questions from the gallery here. Um, if uh, and when COVID is done, uh, plans for the golf season, if we get playing, are you going to be playing tournaments? Yeah, so I was, I was registered for the City Am. Obviously, we heard it was canceled, so that's disappointing. I've been, I've been putting quite a bit in the basement. Um, I'm up in the air right now, depending on how the COVID stuff shakes out. I, I was going to play... I was definitely playing, no matter what, Drew. I was playing the City Am. I was going to play our club championship, and I was going to play the Fraser Cup against the Royal. Whoa, whoa, there it is. Ty Wright tweeted out. He's making the phrase. He's back playing. (laughs) So those are are the three for sure. Um, I know people probably look at me cross-eyed most of the time. I mean, I've taken lots of time off. And I don't take time off of golf in the sense, but competitive golf. Um, I find it very fun, but very draining. And so, um, I can't, I have trouble playing golf if I'm not prepared. Like, like if I'm not really working on my game, um, well, it's hard to expect I, I, think things, it, right? I think it's a cop out drew. Like I, I do need to do a better job of not, I just, I'm so competitive that I, I, I get mad, really upset at myself when I'm not prepared properly. So that wears on me mentally when I'm playing golf and I'm not prepared. So I, I, that's part of the reason why I've taken time off. And, um, and, and, then, and then also impacted by I've done a fair bit of traveling, fortunately, and I've also have a young family. So. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it's also tough too. Like, like how are you supposed to expect certain things out of yourself if you're not practicing, right? So I totally understand that. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty, uh, off to the segment now. For, uh, questions from the gallery sponsored by Timberstone Distribution. First question you might have mentioned already, but Chris Carley asked, why you and Timmy made the old guy sleep on a shitty pull-up bed and bury? 
I think I told that story. Yeah, I know. Carly, honestly, that's what, like, Carly's such a funny guy. Uh, anyways, yeah, no, that was, that was a fun trip, too, because all three of us made the cut that year. Um, I think uh, all three of us made the cut, and then all three of us, I think we all finished in the top 50. So it was a really good trip. Um, uh, that was kind of my, uh, yeah, it was my, it was my first time not just making a cut at nationals, but it was my first time actually feeling like I finally belonged there. And so, uh, I appreciate, appreciate, uh, Carly and Tim. They were, they were great teammates. It was a good time. And not to mention everyone else who came, Phelpsy Cobes and, and all the crew from Manitoba, PEI, Nova Scotia and Newfoundland. I probably haven't met the Newfies, but they're great people. So it was, it was just an epic trip. uh assuming this is from dave uh who after hamilton who is your favorite cougar teammate (laughs) uh yeah dave's one of my best buds um favorite cougar teammate oh man i have lots of i I can't i there's no way i can narrow that down i I have there's lots of fantastic people i played basketball with good basketball players um I, i i appreciate all the guys uh that uh I played with a lot of local guys that, you know, when you're, you're growing up and you just hate guys, you get this more with like those team sports, right? Like, so with hockey, yeah. you know, I remember playing some tier one way back in the day and you just can't stand the other people across the city. Uh, <laughs> basketball, like, I don't know how many guys I just couldn't stand. I mean, maybe you need that edge when you're playing. I, I don't feel the same way about golf. I feel like I'm playing the golf course. I'm not playing people. So I don't really, I have the complete opposite perspective on golf. But there's guys that I really didn't like as as uh, guys that I played against. And then as teammates, thought they were just the, the best guys because they're your teammate. And they propped you up when you were down. They took care of you. You know, they'd, they'd get in the corner with you. Someone wanted to go. There was gonna be, if there was going to be a scrap, they were in there with you. Um, and, and it's so funny because you're scrapping with them all through high school. And then it's uh it's a completely different shift so i mean i got lots of lots of guys i'd be remiss if i if i narrowed it down to one um but i appreciate it. what i would say though is i really do appreciate um uh the guys from uh outside of canada that came and joined us and played with us um i had the privilege to play with a number of guys internationally and and uh same thing those guys would come and man those guys were battlers and those guys were great teammates they knew how to be good teammates and i I appreciate those guys uh quite a bit (laughs) from tory coughlin who is your biggest competition in the man rocket category (laughs) (laughs) yeah man uh well this is this is ridiculous because i said uh we were laughing because um uh Carly decided to, you probably saw it, he did the... Uh, the top nine guys, yeah. yeah the, the top nine, and I just thought I'd throw him a little note and say, you know, what's the what credentials do you require to be in this? And then, of course, he said something like, uh, I don't know, you're... Yeah, we don't we don't allow good-looking people into this or whatever, which is obviously <laughs> horse shit, but um, we, it was it's funny. So uh, I, I, I replied by, um, you should have you saw, as a, as a young kid, I mean... I had, uh, before I got my teeth knocked out playing basketball, I had just a huge gap. And I, like, I'm, I've worn glasses since grade one. So I wore glasses and I had these funny Steve Urkel flip up. You know, Steve Urkel is Drew. Yeah, funny I do. Steve Urkel flip up glasses. <laughs> and I'd wear a bucket hat, a Michigan bucket hat, because I love the Fab Five. And Bryden and I just love the Fab Five uh, for Michigan. Um, and so 
we uh yeah i mean i was just an absolute nerd i mean i have a, I have a toy collection like I'm, I'm a huge huge nerd so when it comes down to that i mean uh it's interesting um you get a little bit of uh i got my t3 done we can probably figure out who helped me out with that yeah <laughs> and then uh you know um i wear contacts etc etc so um yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't have an answer. To <laughs> I, I don't feel like I really fit into that uh, category. <laughs> uh, you kind of touched on this earlier too, but uh, Zaba asked, uh, "You're born in the USA, and, and what, what was that like?" Well, um, my dad was playing in NHL at the time. Um, he was playing with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, I believe. I think that's correct. Um, he got seriously injured. Um, and what I mean is he broke his wrist in like three places very badly. So he was sent down to the minors, which happened to be in Kansas city. I don't even know what the name of the team was. And, uh, yeah. So then anyways, I happened to be born in Kansas city. Um, I lived down there for, uh, a year. And then, uh, at that point, my dad was almost retired from hockey. I'm, I might've, I might've been touring around for one more year. And then, um, after that, I came home and the only other year I spent in the States, uh, where I, when I lived was when I went to Idaho, when I went to Pocatello, uh, playing, playing, uh, playing golf. So, I mean, realistically, um, I'm Canadian through and through, um, I, I always identify as a Canadian um i do have dual citizenship but um i will uh i always identify that um i think my personality probably suits more of more more i'm probably more canadian than than uh an american so i don't know if that helps with zaba's question but um i i do enjoy going to phoenix uh and go to my parents place and play golf down there i really enjoy that uh, i do enjoy going to the united states um but I, but i but i'm a canadian so you kind of touched on this too earlier. I mean, maybe it was besides this story, um, weirdest thing you've seen on the golf course besides your whole out story. Weirdest thing I've ever seen on the golf course. Strangest thing. Um, hmm. We could pass that one if you want. Yeah, I don't know if I have one for that. I don't know. Weirdest, strangest thing. I mean, uh, I don't, I, I honestly, I don't know if I have, uh, anything, too crazy. Nope. Okay, moving on here. <laughs> uh, not hole in ones, but hole outs. Can you remember any of those shots? Oh man, um, I remember my first eagle. Uh, it was on hole fifteen at the Regina, and I was—I uh, think I was twelve or thirteen—into uh, a strong southeasterly wind. I hit driver off the tee. I remember I was only like thirteen. I think I hit five wood in um, from the left rough. And I want to say I had about, I'm going to say 200 yards at least. And back then the course was super firm. Like they didn't water it like they do these days. And it landed probably, oh, I don't know, 20 feet short and rolled right in. Pin was in the back right corner, rolled right in the heart. <laughs> There's one. Oh, baby. Um, oh, let me think here. Uh, I think, you know, it's funny. We were, I remember going through when I, when I was, before I left the Royal Regina, I think I had hold out for Eagle on every single hole, but 14, um, wow. at some point. 
So I had, I had made eagle on, on every single hole, but on 14 when I left. So 14 is the only one I didn't get a hole in one, which ironically is the shortest hole on the golf course. <laughs> um, but I think I had, I had eagled every single hole, but 14 when I left in 2005. So I'm, I'm going to touch on this here. It's not about me, but my first hole out, I think it was 11 or 12 before I played competitive golf at the Jew Andrew you know, seven there, yeah. the par five. Yeah. I legit used a two way chipper from like 90 out and just one hop dunk. How are you? Just a oh, little nice. <laughs> two-way chipper, too. Wow. That, illegal club. Two-way chippers. I, I forgot about those. Are those <laughs> things even legal? No, they weren't. So, I mean, still counts in my head for a quick three, though, at 12. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Strongest part of your game and weakest? Well, um, so I, re- I, I talked a little bit about uh, my practice, how much I like to practice. And I know there's lots of people who don't like to practice. And, I'm obsessive about practice. I enjoy practice. It is it is my um, uh, my escape uh, from reality. Um, I love chipping. I love putting, and I, um, I I grew into that because of my because it was ultimately what brought me down as a junior and as a young amateur. I can hit the ball long and straight. Uh, my driver is the best club in my bag when it, when it's working. I mean, everyone has their ups and downs. I'm a good long iron striker. I can hit the ball low, really super low if I need to. Um, but when it comes to my weakest part of my game is the game I practice the most, and that's my short game. Um, I would say at this moment, the weakest part of my game is hitting spinners. I, I've always had trouble hitting that little hop-hop stop shot, Yeah. Um, no matter if it's 20 yards or 80 yards. Um, that's why I don't love those distances. I don't like 80 to, to 30 um i would rather have one 100 yards or i'd rather have or, or putting of course <laughs> you have to but go yeah, on twitter and watch uh padre harrington what's his name on uh twitter there? yeah harrington's he's just giving out lessons around i've been watching the last three days oh well, i'm gonna check him out because i i've been literally i i what would always just make me jealous is i play a reasonable amount of golf with dino and Brownie has hands like oh, this, the softest mitt. mitts around him. Oh. Man, he can hit those spinners. Oh like, yeah. You'd watch him and you'd be like, Hey, you know you gotta have soft hands. Like you can't have you can't have brick hands to hit those shots, <laughs> but like I just I'm like I'm trying, Dean. <laughs> I can't I can't get it. My brother used to be able to get it. I know you need your wedges need to be perfect too, but I just can't hit that shot. That's that's my that's my that's my weakness is those spinners, but Short game was weak, and then I worked on it. Now I feel much, much more confident with it. Favorite drink after a round? Um, I enjoy. You know, it's, I may have evolved a little bit in the last few years, but right now, I mean, I've always been my go-to has always been um, a Crown Royal and Coke because I, beer doesn't agree with me. So I, I can't. You and I both I drink a lot of beer. I have lots of allergies, so. Um, but I, I do. Um, I may enjoy, and I don't know if I would because it wouldn't be cold, but I might enjoy like a, like a scotch possibly, but I think I'd have to say Crown Royal and Coke. That's kind of my go-to. Must uh, be a ripple thing, eh? Just not a beer guy. Crown and Coke would be mine too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> just not a not a beer guy. Um, I don't mind a cold beer once in a while. It, just, it doesn't agree with me, and I've never really been a beer guy anyways. So. Uh, two more questions here. Uh, if, if, if you had one um, piece of advice, you know, for a, a young junior – uh, women's, men's, uh, and and obviously the good amateurs on what it takes to you know make those teams or uh, go down south play golf. Just some advice. Um. Well, number one, you you gotta love it. You, you've got to 
you've got to be at a level of obsession. It, it, this isn't um, an opportunity to prioritize Friday night parties and prioritize sleeping in and prioritize um, other things you enjoy. Um, you, you've got to, you've you've got to be obsessed, and I, and that's different than committed. Committed yeah. is committed is you can be committed to lots of things. But it's not the same as, as being obsessed. Is where you want to be at the golf course more than any place else. Um, you don't want to reach burnout, but but you've got to be prepared to put that time and effort in. Um, I know that uh, my big my big rule is the rule of ten thousand, and so um, I, I steal it from Malcolm Gladwell's book Outliers, or I twist it a little bit from what he talked about. Uh, he talks about ten thousand hours to become exceptional at something. Um, he's done lots of research on this. Uh, so my big thing was I always wanted to make sure, uh, before I played a tournament, I had putted 10,000, I'd made 10,000 putts and I had hit 10,000 balls at the range uh, or at the putting or at the chipping green before I competed. And so I told this story at, at the, um, when I was, uh, getting inducted into the hall of fame that, you know, I know that people are standing up there for, uh, for a reason. Um, when, when someone gets inducted to any Hall of Fame, and, and it, it is because they've, they've reached a level of obsession, whether it's playing the sport or whether it's practicing the sport or whether it's training for the sport or whether it's all that combined. Um, if you want to make it, that's got to be what you want to do. And um, I failed at that as a younger kid. Uh, I failed at that um, when I was, uh, you know, 20 to 25. I, 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 was, I, I practiced lots, but not enough. I practiced more as a 35-year-old than I ever did in my entire life. And, you know, I made seven teams or six teams in a four-year stretch and won an amateur, won two mids, uh, finished two top tens at nationals. It was because I practiced. And that's probably why my uh, <laughs> my wife got frustrated with me um, <laughs> playing so much golf because I, I just I, – I couldn't put the club down. And um, – but it, but – you know, you can see why um, people get divorced in this game. It's it's a long, it takes a long time to play, so it takes a long time to practice. So, but anyways, to be, I'm digressing once again. <laughs> in order to compete at this game, you need to you need to be a hundred percent committed. So there's number one, and number two is you've got to learn to manage your mind, and that management piece is very very individualistic. It cannot be. I do, I'm going to do the same as Drew and Tyler. It's got to be, this is the best way I can manage the game. And for me, it was just for me to fully commit that I was prepared to compete with anyone that day. That was me. And I just decided to take it lightly and not carry the world on my shoulders. And that shift in mentality for me made a massive change in my game. Wow. So uh, last, uh, do you want to touch on... Um um, a- anything else, sir, uh, Ty, before I let you go here? Uh, no, I just, I wanted to say to you, Drew, this is such a great idea. I know you approached me a few, or about a month ago-ish. I want to know, it was about three weeks ago. And uh, um, I thought it was a great idea then, but now that I've listened to everybody, it's been great listening to, especially the people that I that I know well. I haven't got through everybody, but I certainly made a point to listen to um, uh, Sean and Carly's and... Uh, um, and Graham's and uh, I mean obviously following Graham's going to be a lot of pressure he's it's just like so awesome listening to him talk because you know those are all the dreams that uh, that so many of us and so many of us had and it was so cool to watch him come to fruition um 
And so I just want to say great idea, Drew. Uh, keep working on this. Um, if you want to get a hold of anybody like a Lindsay Bernikiewicz, uh, you know who to call. I can help you out with that. Um, but uh, keep it up because I think this is just awesome for us to be able to hear these uh, the stories. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, fantastic golfers in our province, and there's a lot of guys with lots of outstanding potential. And uh, what a cool opportunity to spend some time talking to them and for us to listen to them um, and learn from them so we can all become better golfers. Right on, Ty. That's, uh, that's awesome, man. I really appreciate that. Um, and, yeah, definitely, I, I will be in touch for sure. I appreciate that. Thanks for coming on. Okay, buddy. Thanks for the conversation. Take care. Spring is the best time of year, but it's also the time of year that tree roots start messing with your sewer system. Action Sewer and Drain strives to be the best in the number two business, and preventative maintenance is key. And if needed, our new flow system allows us to reline and repair sewer lines without digging up your lawn. It's all about the action. Call Action Sewer and Drain, a Consumer's Choice Award winner, four years in a row. Call us at 306-586-2727. Alrighty, there it is, the interview with Tyler Wright. Uh, really good interview. Um, you know, a lot of good insight on the game and, you know, how to get there. Uh, you know, for, coming from a guy who, who, who's been there a ton and won a lot and um, been on a, a several teams and, you know, he, he's multi-sport athlete. Uh, for all the young listeners out there that think, you know, just one one at, uh, one sport uh, is all you need, maybe it is, but uh, it never hurts to play uh, more than one. So uh, thanks again, Ty, for a great insight on the game and, you know, uh, uh, another Hall of Famer on the show. So, um Hope you guys enjoy that uh, interview. Quickly before we go here, uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor. Check us out. Uh, Facebook page, Off the Hosel. Twitter, underscore Off the Hosel. Instagram, underscore Off the Hosel. Like, retweet, share, follow. Um, tell everyone about us. Uh, subscribe on those uh, you know, those podcast apps for us. Uh, also, remember to get your uh, deck rolls. Um, contact us, uh, you know, either our personal accounts or uh, Off the Hosel accounts. And, uh, yeah, I just will uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Uh, have a great rest of your week, and uh, we'll talk to you guys Monday.